Hello everybody and welcome to episode 117 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and joining me at this wonderful party pal <laughs> is Mr. Chris Vint. Hello. Uh, nine years ago today, Seth Green was the general manager of Raw. You remember whenever they were going through that really ridiculous time of every week they would have a different general manager? One of my most hated times. That was so bad. What's the weather like at home? It's sunny, Chris. Yeah. Just it's like... still sunny somehow. We had a few grey days there, but yeah, it's sunny. And I was like, why? Don't be rain, don't be rain. And then I went outside to threw something in the bin. I could feel rain. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to melt. I'm going to rain. I know, it's a fine rain that soaks you through. <laughs> yes. But yes, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to switch things up here, actually, and do some of our plugs at the start of the show for a change. Okay. To catch everybody while they're fresh, Chris. Okay. Rather than people going, I'm not listening to that, they just turn it off then. Yes, so... Um, if you've listened to the last show, you know what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the original Die Hard because it is his. It's his. It is his. It is its thirtieth uh, anniversary. So it is pretty much when this show goes out. It's this month anyway. I'm not going to get the date exactly right, but um, we just wanted to do the anniversary. But we want to know if there's any spe- special anniversaries coming up. For movies, TV shows, video games, whatever that you guys want us to talk about in the not so distant future. We have a few mapped out for later in the year. We want to see if you're good enough to know which ones. Um, but it doesn't have to even be an anniversary uh, of a movie or a TV show or whatever. If there's something you want to hear us cover on the show, be it for the news, be it whatever, get in contact with us. Operation Retroshock on Facebook. At Retroshock Pod on Twitter. I'm at Alan GW Price on Twitter. He's at Vinto316. So he is. Uh, what's your email address, Chris? Vinto316 at gmail.com. I really should know that by now, but yeah. hey. Just even put in the title, uh, Retroshock Topic. And that way I know who it's from. Because if I see it and I was like, oh, I don't know. Who's this random? I don't know um, Sam from Down the Road. Uh, so why email me? Because um, this email could be Sam from Down the Road at hotmail.com exactly and uh, finally then on the on the plug stakes uh, Chris mentions it now at the end of every show but we'll do it here as well that is if you feel so inclined if you're enjoying the show uh, feel free to go on iTunes or um, any other podcast feed for that matter where our uh, show is uploaded so I think that's TuneIn Radio Stitcher etc feel free to leave us a review. It would be very much appreciated. If you're in America, feel free also to uh, take a screen grab and send it to us, be it via email or Twitter DM or whatever, uh, so we can see it, because seeing American reviews is not the easiest, so it isn't, especially on iTunes anyway. But yes, we'd be appreciative if you were to do any of those things. And who knows, if you send us on a topic, it may be talked about in the not-so-distant future shall we get started then chris we shall get and started not bore people any longer no everyone's like we've got the plugs out of the road the electricity is now flowing through them so we're going to talk about die hard which i would imagine a lot of people have seen and if you haven't you should go and rectify that by sorting it out and watching it but it is one of those movies that even if you're a kid that chances are your parents will have watched 
and uh, that you will end up watching at some stage. So, as you were saying, Alan, 30 years ago, we were introduced to the world of John McClane and Hans Gruber. A lot of people say this is one of the best action movies of all time. Would you agree with that statement? Um, I think it's fair to say it's definitely up there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's considered what is now deemed as a, a genre of film. You hear a lot nowadays of... Uh, well, probably perfect example is The Rock's new movie that's coming out here this week, Skyscraper. I was just about to say uh, that. <laughs> a lot of the reviews for that movie have come out and said that it's very much like a homage to, yeah. you know, the diehards and such. So that 80s action movie mm-hmm. that everybody just loved, so they did. And Die Hard is one of those ones that is right up there in those stakes, in my opinion. It's one of those ones that I really enjoy the first one. I like the second one. I really enjoy the third and fourth one. Mm-hmm. Least said, it's like Indiana Jones. The least said about the, the latest, one. the fifth one. <laughs> oh, sorry, the fifth one. The yeah, fifth yeah. one, the better. Uh, I remember kind of falling asleep through it and waking up, and I was just like, off. So, but I think it's a rare thing, you know. If you take the Die Hard first three, so mm-hmm. to say. It's very rare to see a movie franchise. Not that you knew it was going to be a movie franchise when this first one came out. But to see it go in that direction, yes, maybe the second one wasn't as good or whatever, but to see the third one Mm -hmm. improve for a lot of people and be right up there, if not better than the original, it's, it's a very rare thing. You know, there's not many movies that you can say that about. Maybe like Dark Knight trilogy and stuff like that's considered fairly strongly across the board, yeah. you know, but uh, not that I'm comparing Die Hard to Dark Knight. It's oh, com- yeah. Two completely uh, different oh, franchises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are, but no. What about you? Do you think this is fairly up there? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I've always put Die Hard and Lethal Weapon side by yeah, side. You I know, like that, Lethal yeah. Weapon is another one that, you know, starts off strong, had a little bit of a dip, and then, you know, like I really enjoy like the fourth one of that, yes. you know, with Jet Lee as we talked about in a podcast um, to do with Blade. Um, but yeah, the the diehards and Lethal Weapons are just ones like... To me, they, they were back then what Fast and Furious is now. It's like it's one of those ones that you could just put on and you know that you're going to have a good action movie to watch. Yeah. You know, So I think it's one of those ones that if you enjoy watching something that you could just switch your mind off and it's just like going to be all out action that's the one to go it's, it's to. The, it's the definition of a popcorn flick. You can yeah. go in, you don't have to think too hard or anything no. like that. You can just sit down, switch the brain off, enjoy yourself and uh, join John McLean for the ride. Exactly. So John McLean, obviously played by Bruce Willis, was also shooting Moonlighting, the um, one of the TV programmes he was in in 1985, concurrently while filming Die Hard. Willis would shoot his television series during the day and then come to Fox Lot in the evening to work on this film. Of course, somebody else did that. I was just thinking that myself. Michael J. Fox did this with Back to the Future and Family Ties. Does this make a good recipe then for the first movie? Um, it, uh, it doesn't harm it, that's for sure. No. Uh, so it doesn't, you know, it's it's a very good comparison and that's that front now. Uh, a few differences between the two in the sense of <laughs> yeah. that probably I think I remember hearing interviews with Michael J. Fox basically saying he could go for days but that's youth on his side mm-hmm. um, Bruce Willis maybe a wee bit in the older I think stakes he, I think towards the end he was suffering from severe yeah. exhaustion and I think that's maybe why towards the end you saw more of Argyle Al 
um, you know, Deputy Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson. You saw more of their yeah. characters getting embellished because to take the pressure off him and as it's, well. And it's not like now, uh, not to downplay anything Michael J. Fox did in Back to the Future or anything like that. But he wasn't uh, doing the sort of action that uh, no. Bruce Willis was no. expected to do. Stunt workers are not aside, um, you know that was going on in this movie. Yeah. So it wasn't. But no, um, it shows you obviously the determination from both sets of actors mm-hmm. for their roles, and I think when it comes to Bruce Willis's stakes, when he looks back at things now, he's probably at that stage of his career now. Because uh, his career maybe isn't as successful nowadays as it has been in the past, he probably looks back now on this and basically says, "Right, this this was my this was my crowning moment Ooh, to, yeah. to take off for the yeah. next what would you say probably the guts of at least twenty years." Because you always had him, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, like, and then you had like say Van Damme, Seagal, kind of yes. like mentioned as well. But you also had those three, obviously, running Planet Hollywood together. Yes. God, remember those days? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you would always have those three big action movie heroes, yeah. you know, and then he obviously went on to talk about, you know, like Armageddon and things like that. But, and then obviously the three of them would reunite for Expendables yep. as well. So you also had that. Um, now, moving on from Bruce Willis to Alan Rickman, I did not know this. This was the feature film and Hollywood debut yeah, is, of Alan yeah. Rickman. I did not know that who had previously only appeared on stage and on British television. Rickman was 41 at the time. As such, he was nervous about how his Hollywood role would go. Um, obviously, as Hans Gruber, he was, got a sounding success and secured a lucrative career in American film, but sometimes he was kind of stereotypically cast as yes. the villain. Um, should we have seen him in more movies earlier to this? Well, one thing I want to say is... For him being forty at this stage mm-hmm. in his life, he looked he looked good. Like, yeah. Sort of, oh yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I'm not saying no offense, Chris. Once you hit forty, things go downhill or anything like that. And this is the last episode. <laughs> Show over. Um, but no, he he looked the part. He looked mm-hmm. extremely strong. You know, he looked well for his age. But it's crazy to think that. Especially from what we've seen of his career from then, yeah, and all the other stuff he's done across the years, now you think, how was this guy not picked up by Hollywood sooner? Mm-hmm. Because you just have to think about the possibilities there would have been if he'd have been going sooner. Yeah. Now talking about the villain stakes and maybe it being stereotypical British thing, uh, you know, Brits play good bad guys. You know, that's that's kind of a given in movies. Um, but some people are just born. Yeah, to have that sort of—I don't know if you can say born to play a villain. You could do, but just, has that just their style of acting, yeah. their vocals, you know, their mannerisms, all Potter. those little things. You know, they just play in to making a perfect package for Evan and. For me, he is definitely that package. So yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't. I honestly don't know if he didn't have this role, whether he would have got like, say, Snape and Harry Potter. Not that Snape yeah. was kind of a villain, but was kind of portrayed from the outside to be a villain. Yes. But then, you know, not that I can't think of any other. But they're his two. You know, whenever you say Alan Rickman, you say Harry Potter, Die Hard, Galaxy Quest. 
Oh yes, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't really a villain in that. Bit of a prima well, no, donna. I'm not saying villain yeah. from Galaxy Quest, but yeah. defining role. I actually forgot about that, but okay. So by Grapthaw's hammer, she'll be avenged. But that could, that could on, be for another day. On Alan Rickman's first day of shooting, he filmed the scene where Hans Gruber first runs into John McClane. So this is the part where he kind of jumps down. And then he goes like, oh, God, you're one of them, aren't you? And then he says that his name is Bill Clay. He made a jump off a ledge by three foot high and he injured his knee when he landed and damaged some cartilage in his knee. He was told by the doctor not to put any weight on that leg and he had to use crutches for a week. For the rest of the scene where Hans Gruber is standing talking to John McLean, Alan Rickman is standing on one leg for the entire time and has a (laughs) a leg brace under his pants. I take it this wasn't something that you knew about, because I sure as heck did no, not. No, that's, that's, that's one thing. Like, I'd no, I knew about this being, like, his first major feature film and yeah. stuff, but I'd, I'd, never, I'd, never heard this oh. I'd never heard this story. Now, three feet is not a huge distance but at bear all. bear mind, it's all downhill once you have 40, Alan. <laughs> you know, the knees are not what they used to be. I don't jump off three feet ledges. Mind, I just turned 29 the other day and my back's been wrecked for over a week. So yeah, maybe 30's the new going oh, down stage. Yeah, my back's uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like three feet and you wreck your knee and you're probably standing there thinking, right, I have to give this performance here. Mm-hmm. This is a very key part of the movie. Yeah. And you're trying to seriously... Because you have to think uh, that you're Alan Rickman here. First feature film. Mm-hmm. That pressure's on your shoulders. You're the lead villain of the movie. You come from a Royal Shakespeare background. So you obviously take your acting very seriously. And you're thinking to yourself, right, I now have to do however many takes maybe. Yeah. We're done. Standing on one leg. <laughs> like an absolute probably in his head like a fool yeah trying to keep yourself balanced so it doesn't look like you're on one yeah, leg because that's, quite, cause that's quite hard to do yeah so juggling all that and giving the performance that everybody knows and loves and trying to remember all your lines at the same point as well this is it because you think whenever he jumps down he goes like, oh god you want so we're like did he jump down and then whenever he hurt his knee he went oh god you, you never know, know whether they took that yeah. little part for yeah. the start of the take yeah because that would be because that would be the perfect sort of reaction, or whether that was um, a realistic reaction from him initially, mm-hmm. and he thought maybe in that split second because he would put me in mind as having been this sort of an actor, whether he was in pain, whether he was standing on one leg or whatever, that even in those moments, thinking right, I've got the pressure of being the villain and stuff here, and I've wrecked my leg, he'd be still thinking of. You know, adding little nuances and all into his performance, so he yeah. might have thought, even if that isn't the real reaction, oh, the way I, the way I started, or you know, saying yeah. that line, or kind of the noise I made when it did impact mm-hmm. the ground from the jump, that would be good for that line. Yeah, oh, it's weird. It's weird. And speaking of weird, um, the title "Die Hard" in Hungarian is "Give Your Life Expensive." The title of the sequel is Your Life is More Expensive and the third part is The Life is Always Expensive. I wonder what the fifth one's called with It's A Good Day to Die Hard. Is it A Good Day for Your Life to Be More Expensive? Probably. It's like, you know, because it'd be... So it'd be Give Your Life Expensive 4.0 because that'd be Die Hard 4. Yeah. And then it would be A Good Day to Die Hard. So, I don't know. 
a good day to live expensive or something. I don't know. It's so uh, it's just uh, that fascinating. Maybe that you know, like oh, Fun- funky movie titles in foreign languages are always an entertaining. Oh, thing. it's like have you ever seen the Revenge of the Sith? The bad, the bad subtitle thing. Oh, and yes. it's like you know, he is in my behind. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, they'll be using the force there. There was another one as well. Um, there was that John Cena movie that was out not too long ago, uh, Blockers. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it's called Blockers is because they couldn't call it, you know. Okay. Yes. Blockers. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, the male chicken. Um, but in certain languages, it still came through because uh-huh. they were doing like an interview. I think it was on like Kimmel or something like that. One of those sort of late night American programs. I know we're getting an attention here, folks. We'll get back on track in a moment. But some of the crazy kind of translations yeah. for the movie um, that were probably even more inappropriate <laughs> than what that he'd originally wanted. Not Cena. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Not Zach Galavanakis, is it? Can't remember. One of those sort of guys, that mm. sort of group. Um, that was in charge of the movie had wanted because he'd wanted it straight out as yeah. male chicken blockers <laughs> moving on okay um, so Die Hard as well like I read rumours ages ago that the Masters of the Universe movie was a uh, a script from Cyborg 2 you know like that Van Damme movie yes. apparently Die Hard originated for the failed script of Commando 2 okay so I mean, obviously in Commando we see Arnie's daughter, you know, Jenny, get kidnapped by Freddie Mercury. I mean, sorry, Bennett. Um, <laughs> but just whenever I read that, I was like, so what would they have had Arnie's character in mind, in mind for that? And then, you know, then it, it's his wife instead of his daughter. Yeah. So I just wanted to get your take on that. That's, I guess they must have had Arnie in mind and his character in mind. That would make sense, what you're saying, in terms of the wife instead of the daughter, because obviously that's what this revolves around quite a bit in Die Hard, is yeah. the wife. Um, it smells a bit of like, uh, Liam Neeson and Taken to me as well, sort of thing. You know, the first one's about the daughter, yeah. and then the second one's about the wife and The third him. one is, how unlucky are you? You know, the second one's about the wife and him, and the daughter has to help and stuff like that, you know, so it's, it, it does have that sort of feel to it. But it shows you the way Hollywood works mm-hmm. and that they deemed this a field script. Yeah. Yet here we are talking about it 30 odd years later. Whereas. As one of the best action movies of all time. Whereas uh, Commando for me is more known for its pure cheesiness factor. Yes. You know, um, whenever you have Freddie Mercury against Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I'm going to throw a question back to you then. Do you think this would have worked or made sense as a Commando sequel or even alone just having Arnold in the role? I don't think that with if you had Arnie in the role, you would have had Rickman. The way those two play... like Don't forget that you have very, very limited screen time between the hero and the villain. Mm-hmm. You have them talking on the radio and Ellis going like, Hands, booby, I'm your white knight. Good old Hart Bachner, which is a name that I will never ever forget because it's so weird. Um, it's a name. It is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you would have had Arnie and then you would have had a stereotypical villain. But I think with that, it would have been a lot more like this table, a bit mm-hmm. more wooden. Yeah. Whereas I think that for Rickman's first Hollywood performance, brought his A, B, C, brought the whole alphabet game with him mm-hmm. because he was on point and everyone he interacted with 
was on point as well. Elevated, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So I think for those two, but I think if you had Arnie and then you had, say, I'm trying to think of somebody who would play a villain. We'll say Tim Curry as an example. Yes. Okay. Tim Curry could play a great villain, like we talked about in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that apparently his portrayal was very terrifying. That he could play a great villain, but then Arnie's acting isn't the greatest. I'm not saying um, Bruce Willis is is terrific, but I think he... Especially in recent years. I think (laughs) he can... Once he has that good person there to counteract with, then that's a given it's like having a football team and then yeah. if one player is not gelling with the rest of it then you're kind of out of you're out of sync whereas if everyone's all synced together like the actors then that's a different well, kettle of fish that's a perfect example because not to talk too much about the football but obviously Croatia World Cup final when everybody hears this will know who the World Cup champion is so Brazil uh, oh no uh, congratulations insert name here um Croatia, the first, uh, I think it was the first group stage, one of their players refused to come on or yeah, play as a sub, yep. got sent home, World Cup final. Now. Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that? So mate? if that dynamic doesn't work, but yeah, the one thing I have to think of here, and yes, Die Hard is a very beloved movie and an enjoyed movie. I wonder if you know, Arnie had been in, you know, I'm not even going to say the position of this movie being a Commando sequel, just... Plain and simple, Arnold was McLean. Yeah. Would it be looked back on as fondly, or would it be seen as successful mm. as it is here and now with Willis? Yeah. Would have it been seen because at this time, at least, yes, Arnold hasn't been around forever, mm-hmm. but he has a few things on his belt by this stage. He would have had Terminator done by then, because Terminator know, was early 80s. And he'd had a body 80s. of work behind him yeah. and be seen as. The, one of the faces of action movies. So would maybe people have been a bit more critical of it and all? There's so many different possibilities well, that could have played speaking into Speaking of those possibilities, that leads us perfectly on to the next oh, part. Oh, I knew this was So coming. this is always to do with, you know, like who was cast for it. Yeah, yeah, so now the one name that always I can never picture in a vest running on a rooftop with a gun is Richard Gere. Oh dear. Richard Gere was considered, but like Al Pacino turned it down. Other names were Michael Madsen, John Travolta, and Richard Dean Anderson. Now, out of those, I can probably picture Richard Dean Anderson doing it more because of MacGyver. Yes. Okay. But I can see him being more of an action people. I genuinely couldn't see any of the others. But this is the one that really gets me. is for Hans Gruber, Sam Neill... I can't picture that. See, this is the thing. Is I don't get me wrong. I haven't seen many Sam Neill movies across the years. It's probably Jurassic Park and maybe one or two others. Yeah. So it is, and Jurassic Park was my first proper experience of Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. So to me, he will always be Alan Grant. Yeah. And yes, in Jurassic Park, he starts off as a bit of an a hole. Mm-hmm. so he does but he softens and you get to see the real him at the end yeah. of the movie so I still look at him as Alan Grant as this kind of guy that had a bit of a rough edge on him didn't you know was focused on, on his work but kind of after being around kids kind of softened a bit and became a nicer guy for it yeah so trying to get in your head him being an out and out villain and more so this villain mm-hmm 
would be very tough for me. I can't even picture him with a beard. No, or the accent or anything yeah. like that as well. I, I, I just can't get it myself. The other folks up for the role of McLean as well, I don't get that at all either. No, because I, I think, again, Stallone's name was batted about. Yes. You know, like, so... Well, kind of have to be. Again, because of that action style. Like, Madsen and Travolta, like, I don't think they would be a fit at all. No. Like, especially Travolta. I mean, it comes to something whenever Travolta, the in movie that you probably would have seen him in as a kid was Look Who's Talking. Yes. Um, which and Michael Madsen isn't he the one from Reservoir Dogs? He's Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, so yes. I he's not some. And then Richard Dean Anderson, you know, from The Simpsons, MacGyver, obviously, mm-hmm. and MacGyver. Now, don't get me wrong; it's an eighties action movie, so yeah. your caliber of actor or your style of actor, really, when it comes to eighties action movies, goes out the window. They could be built like a brick house, yeah. like Arnold, and you believe he is a police officer. Yeah. In, you know, yeah, I will believe whatever you say. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like Travolta and Madsen, they wouldn't have really sealed the deal for me. I don't know about you. Oh no, no. I think we got the best troublesome security guard, as I say. <laughs> but speaking of Bruce Willis, he received a then unheard of five million dollars, a fee that was approved by Fox Pre- President Rupert Murdoch by today's standards and the way that. People get paid so many millions for acting. Do you think that this was value for money? Well, this was probably definitely seen as very expensive for these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look back at budgets of movies back then, um, I don't even think the original Rocky was much more than $5 million to be, make. It was, probably. It, was, it was definitely less than $10 million, I think, or around $10 million at the most. I could be wrong, but it's not a kick in the backside off. Um, so for five million dollars to be on your actor alone, your lead actor alone, and mm-hmm. what I would consider at this time not sorry, go ahead. Are you well, on? just whenever you said about budgets, the opening weekend in the US, the opening weekend it took six hundred thousand dollars. Well, I'm sure Rupert Murdoch, when that happened, kind of yeah. had went, oh dear, what happened? No, whenever you went the gross worldwide, then it took $140 million. And what was the total budget? The budget estimated was $28 million. $140 billion, sorry, worldwide gross. No, not billion. Couldn't be billion. Right, hold on. Because sure, sure, Last Jedi, not Last Jedi, sorry, Force Awakens well, that's only probably, took $2 billion. Well, the, I say only took $2 billion. The gross by country, it was $83 million. It'll be a million. It'll yeah, be a million. I think that's just why they've done um, that. But yeah, for 28, and then it took 140, so... If you look at 28 million, though, and compare that to nowadays, what was the first Deadpool? Like 40-ish, I think? Something like that, yeah. You know, which is was considered, like, scraping the barrel, as in that was the max that, uh, funny enough, Fox <laughs> wanted to go to for yeah. that movie, because they were like, hmm, not sure, rated our movie, will this work? Um... So if you weigh up that, yes, obviously time difference. So for, you know, the change in time, twenty eight million would go above forty million. Yeah. So it wouldn't budgets. But looking at that alone, five million for your lead actor in a twenty eight million budget, that's a considerable enough amount for your mm-hmm. actor. Now compared to today, it's just a drop in the water. So yeah, it well, is so because it is. if you look at prime example, probably Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. he gets a percentage. 
No, he's gone beyond well, what he got when he originally did well, Iron to Man. To be fair, that was the same with the likes of everyone in Star Wars, was that he paid them a salary and then would give them a percentage of the merchandising. Mm-hmm. And obviously in Star Wars, you know, they're still Rick, you know, like Harrison Ford would probably still get money to this day because of Harrison. Have you ever heard the interview from Alec Guinness about uh, getting paid like a percent? No. I'll have to find it for you sometime and send you. It's very interesting to see... Alec Guinness talking so candidly mm-hmm. um, about uh, you know fighting to get an extra like quarter of a percent or something yeah. like that because if you look at Star Wars you know in the modern day a quarter of a percent would have oh yeah been crazy money but uh, going back to this you know it's it is for Bruce Willis at this time like you know. This this was the thing that put him on the map, really launched him. Mm-hmm. So for him to get paid five million is considerable. Now, Robert Downey Jr. probably didn't get a crazy amount for the original Iron Man. Probably got a nice amount. Yeah. Probably got more than five million. But it shows you where careers go. RDJ wasn't in a good position when he uh, originally did Iron Man, or uh, he was coming out of a bad position. Yes. Uh-huh, yeah. They were taking a gamble on him. And here we are 10 years later and he is raking in the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, same applied for Johnny Depp and the Pirates franchise. He started True. out with a set amount and then there, he was like, okay, if you want me back, X percentage mm-hmm. off the movies. So five million by today's standard is nothing. Yeah. But at this time, uh, I'm sure Murdoch was, uh, I'm not going to say crying, but really reluctant to drop that sort of money. Mind, he's about to get a considerable sum potentially from Disney for his movie division, so all will end I'm sure. for him. I'm sure it will do. Um, right, so uh, this is the question you knew I was going to ask. <laughs> while, while the film was released in the summer of 1988, it's since evolved in a cult Christmas movie since it takes place on Christmas Eve. Do we class this as a Christmas movie? And more importantly, if we do, do we watch this at Christmas time? Right, okay. Uh, This is one of those uh, movies that is debated much like Pineapple on Pizza. It always seems to be a debate between folks. Is is it a Christmas movie? Is it not? Um, My opinion always is if it is Christmas in the movie, then it can be deemed a Christmas movie. Yeah, I would totally agree with you on that because I also deem Gremlins to be a Christmas movie because it's at Christmas time because the dad gives Billy... Gizmo and mm-hmm. says Happy Christmas. So yeah, because he's flying home for Christmas and then obviously there's Christmas trees in thing or whatever and you know I deem this a Christmas movie. Yeah. Especially because of the music that plays at the very end, you know, the you know, let it snow. Every time I hear that Christmas music, I always think of Die Hard. Yeah. So then once that comes in I don't listen to Christmas music. I'm not like Robbie or Mike. That is like, oh, it's only 38 Mondays until Christmas. Shut up! No! Stop it! <laughs> like, Robbie will start listening to Christmas music in October time, and you're like, what? So, like, the 1st of December, that's whenever I listen to Christmas music. And once I hear Let It Snow play, that'll put me in the mood to watch yeah. that hard. But it's it's the same for a load of movies as well. Technically, Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Because Shane Black has a thing of making his movies based at Christmas time. 
So by those standards, the new Predator movie that will be coming out <laughs> is going to be at Christmas time as well, which which would be cool for like a and fighting plus, thing in the, like the, the snow. Fact, and plus all. the fact that don't forget in Die Hard, he writes on a guy's jumper. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! There you go. You know, so it, 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 for me, it's not up for debate. Okay. So isn't that a you know is or isn't it a Christmas movie? Um, if it is Christmas in a movie, it is a Christmas movie. So it is just because, um, let's think, for example... But then yeah. some people say that Home Alone isn't a Christmas movie. No, that's rubbish. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Let me just preface that. But, yeah, people say Home Alone's not a Christmas movie. Everybody, well, Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but that's rubbish. Yeah, and that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wrong. You're wrong. Um, if there's snow and it's that time of year... Yeah, you know it's it's a given. So it is. It has to be Christmas time, just because a movie comes out in June doesn't mean that movie has to be set. Yeah, in June, so it do- doesn't. Um, movies can set up in their storylines that they know. Oh well, our movie's going to come out in February, mm-hmm. so we'll have like. You know, bunches of flowers and hearts and stuff like that in the shop windows yeah. and things like that. To drop that hint, oh, it's Valentine's. Um, it happened in the original Deadpool where he openly acknowledges, you know, that it's a movie that you're going to bring your other half to. And she's mm-hmm. wondering, what the heck's this movie about? I thought yeah. this was a romance story yeah. sort of thing. And he's like, well, it is, you know. So th- there's movies that will set that up and know that. But just because it's not necessarily released at that time of year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it can't be a Christmas movie, yeah, or whatever. That's far too much of a debate for for that point. But okay, yeah. Well, well, my last question for you is: at one hundred and thirty-two minutes, this is the longest Die Hard film. Does this movie feel just over two hours long? You know the way sometimes you watch a film and you go like, "Oh, is that it finished already?" Because for me, this is one of those films that I can put on at any stage, very much like. The original Star Wars or Revenge of the Sith or Force Awakens, some other ones, that I can put on and I can sit back and I'll be like, I really enjoyed watching that. That didn't feel yeah. like, you know, and I'm sorry to say this, but like Lord of the Rings is one of those films that I've watched once and that's enough for me, whereas with Die Hard for over two hours. I think you've got a completely fair point there. Not to rag on Lord of the Rings, sorry, uh, Lord of the Rings fans. Uh it's probably not a trilogy you're going to hear on this show, I would suspect. Or The Hobbit, sorry. Uh, or especially The Hobbit. Sorry, we're just ragging on Tolkien's work here, so we aren't. Mine's not his work, it's it's movies. Um, but it's definitely one of those things with Lord of the Rings. I was very much the same. Okay, I've watched it, cool. Moving on with my life. <laughs> um, I've only ever really caught more of Lord of the Rings. If it's been on TV in the background or something like that, if it's something on like ITV or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that over here, gotta be even longer with the adverts and, then. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll catch a bit of it, and then like you say, adverts will happen. And like this is going on to like a quarter past one in the morning. What's going on? <laughs> it started at seven. Uh, I, I'm I'm walking away, but bringing it back to Die Hard, it is a very easy movie to watch for me. Mm-hmm. So it is the the sign of I'm not gonna say the sign of a good movie for me or whatever, but the sign of a good a paced movie yeah for me is if I don't catch myself looking at the time I was just about to say that myself I was just about to say if I'm looking at my phone going <sighs> what time is it yeah now I'm not saying if I check the time on my phone 
I'm not enjoying a movie. Yeah. But if there's a sort of a lull or something in a movie, it gives me a reason to fidget or something mm-hmm. like that and go and check something or yeah. go and do something. And I find myself, even the odd time, if I'm in a Marvel movie or something like that, I'll go, oh, what time is it? Because, you know, you know how long the movie is and you're just out of interest. You'll yeah. go, how far in are we? How long has this started? All oh, right, okay, cool. You or it's a case away. of you have it on your PlayStation, you hit X, and you see how much time you have left. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. YouTube video, you're like, "Will you get to the point, please? <laughs> Thank you." You know, you have ten minutes, and you're talking about or X. like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what a shocker! Um, but no, I find this is one that the time flows really, really well, and I think that goes down to the story alone. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's just like it doesn't. For me, it never dwells in anything for a crazy like the time. No, no. So it doesn't. And I think credit also has to come down again to like Alan Rickman and all and the other characters and actors that are in the movie because you can have a good story, but if the stuff's not delivered in a decent fashion, yeah, then you're going to again be like checking your phone or hurry up a bit, get on to the next sequence here, get, mm-hmm. give me an action piece or whatever. Um... But on the whole, I think Die Hard does a pretty darn good job across the board of not bogging down or anything like that. You're never begging for it to just be like, okay, hurry up a bit, please. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got the, you know, it is one of those ones that is a good action movie but has moments of humour in it as well. So it is... Like, as I say, with Hart Bachner and just him, you know, like, hands. I think you enjoy saying that name too much. Uh, Hart, it's just, like, I know he was in, like, an animated Batman movie because I remember I bought it because he looked at the back and it said Hart Bachner. And I'm like, I'm going to buy that because it's like a quid. <laughs> and like, because we're like, well, that's Hart Bachner's voice. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, one of my, probably one of my favourite action movies. And I would rank up there, like, if I was to rank my action movies, you know, like, Lethal Weapon, Terminator like Die Hard, you know, Fast and Furious, it would be definitely in the top five, if not top. That is a list I did not think I would hear with Fast and the Furious at the end. I was in one of those moods the other day where I wanted to put something on the TV, but I was in one of those moods that um, I didn't know what was going to capture my interest. Yes. And then I thought, you know what? I haven't watched Furious 7 for a while. Right. So I put that on, and then because I'm meeting your woman, Natalie Emmanuel, who is like the hacker woman yes. um, that I watched in the, the latest one, the one with Jason Statham and the baby, which always cracks me up. Um, I'm not a huge Jason Statham fan, but I just love that scene wherever he's on the plane and he's like, was that you or was that him? And be like, oh, it was him. And you're like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. But it's one of those ones that I acknowledge it for what it is. Like I've always said it's one of those movies that you watch and your brain, you can leave at the door. Yeah. You can leave it home because it's not needed for a while. If you were going like, that wouldn't happen, you wouldn't get cars shopping from one building to the next to the next. And you were like, right, yeah. it kind of defies belief, but it's an action movie. It's not an action documentary. Cause, action cause, documentary. Yeah, but it is based on fiction. It's not real. So just enjoy it for what it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that definitely looks like it has to be said for The Rock's new movie, The Skyscraper One, which he is openly coming out and admitting this is a homage to the likes of Die Hard yeah. and those 80 action, 80s action movies that you absolutely love. 
um, because uh, gravity is ignored in these movies. The laws of physics are ignored in these movies, but who oh, hey, actually look at, cares? Look at that Fast and the Furious one with that longest runway you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> you know, because somebody did a map of that with a normal runway and a Fast and Furious runway and was just like all the way around the map. Again, but, I know we're getting off topic, but if... A runway is your annoyance in the Fast and the Furious series that you have issues. My case in point always goes to, was it Fast 5, I think, or was it Fast 6? I can't remember. There's so many. It's the one um, where... Uh, it might actually be the, it might actually they are be the one with the runway. It. Sorry. This, sorry, it is the one with the runway. Um, when there's the tank on the road and he goes, Vin Diesel goes flying across the motorway in the air to like catch flipping... Yep. Yeah, and then they land to their back. Michelle yeah. Rodriguez and you're like, it I'm is, sorry, you're dead in real life. It is, but it is turning into James Bond because you always know it's, a, it's the one with, you know, <laughs> it's James Bond. It's the one where there's the alligators living like that, I think that is, you know, yeah. it's the one with the runway. It's the one with the tank, but anyway. But yes, this is the joy of action movies at yeah. the end of the day. Be it Die Hard, be it Lethal Weapon, be it Fast and the Furious, be it Terminator, be it whatever, be it Rambo. <laughs> You know, speaking of Stallone, yeah, you go in, you want to see guys getting blown up or shot or swinging from building to building, um, people who are held hostage being rescued, all this sort of nonsense, banks being heisted. This is the sort of stuff that you just want to go in, enjoy, and forget about the everyday nonsense in your life. Um, and Die Hard accomplishes that. No end, in my opinion. It does, yes. And it's one of those ones that um, you always have to put on some stage during the year. If it's not done at Christmas time, it'll be done. You know, it may be done. I haven't actually put it on because it is one of those ones that... And I, I, there was a thing as well, I forgot to mention this, that um, I bought the American set whenever before Blu-ray it was even a thought. And there was a mode in it where there was a scene wherever... Hans is trying to get the combination for the locks and yes. you're like you'll have to kill me well, okay and then shoots him yeah. there was actually different ways that you could actually alter that scene so they had different angles and different scenes shot and you could actually piece together so it was like an iMovie but on DVD Yeah. and then you could actually piece together different parts so you could actually watch that sequence that you made yeah. come together you know like which was very unique and something I'd never seen on the DVD then before then or since then to be honest so before we do yes i know everybody you're gasping and like what they're rounding up so soon we have a lot of shows to record here because chris is obviously departing very soon for london film and comic con uh so we wanted to have enough content for you all to see you through so if things are just a wee bit shorter please excuse us but you're getting stuff every week still so be happy before we finish favorite scene oh that's a tough one that is a real tough one. I would probably say... I would probably say whenever um, he... Whenever he's sitting there and then Han says to your man, she's convinced her. And your man looks at him and goes, shoot the glass. And then he shoots the glass and Bruce Willis is running across it. <laughs> um, and then obviously his feet are just encased with blood. But um, just that, that. And then there's another part wherever... He says, uh, I can't really say what he says, but whenever the chief of, I'm deputy chief of police, Dwayne T. Robinson, I'm in charge here. I'm going, from where I'm sitting, you're in charge of Jack. Yeah. Something. Yeah. But it is one of those movies that 
if you were to say what's your least favourite scene I would really struggle Aye. because it's by no means is this a perfect movie but it's a perfect action movie yeah. it does what it's meant to do it gets you involved and it gives you um, a reason to care for the characters and um, I do like as well whenever um, Hart Bachner, uh Ellis is talking to Hans he said the name again mm. <laughs> uh, yes who um, whenever he's talking to, and then he says like I can give him to you and then he says like they were going to they're going to kill me and then there's like nothing and then Hans just gets up and shoots him and you're like okay because he was high on coke I think for me one of my favourite scenes and it's fairly simple is obviously when Gruber's pretending to be a hostage and Bill stuff like Clay. that and he's given the gun mm-hmm. and he goes to shoot him yeah and it's empty mm-hmm. it's just one of those wee simple tricks in the movie yep. that you're like oh well you're caught now mate you know sort of thing mm-hmm. it's those simple wee scenes that I absolutely love and also as well just this is something else that popped in my head one of my favourite scenes is whenever spoiler Hans dies what? Yeah. The bad guy in an 80s action movie dies? Apparently what had happened though is the look on his face, you know when every scene go like this? They filmed that as a certain amount of frames per second, but the guy would hold up, hold him and go like, okay, one, two, three, and then let him go. So what he would do is he'd go, one, two, and let him go, and oh, then the would catch the shock on his face, and that's why his face looks like that, why he's got... <laughs> so they actually caught that but that's one of my favourite scenes as well because they obviously reference that in the third one wherever he says do you remember the name Hans Gruber and you just see him like going like this and you're like that's just that's just picturesque so it is and I think that's the perfect spot to finish when it comes to Die Hard what fall off a building no, <laughs> no. Um, but yes uh, I'd say there's probably a good chance we'll come back and talk about other Die Hards down the line <laughs> not the fifth one no nope. not the fifth one um, we'll stick to the, the half decent ones at least so we will but uh, yes thank you all very much for listening everybody Chris would you like to tell them what's coming up next week because I think there might be a little convention coming up this coming weekend I'm not too sure something to do with like London Film Comic Con thing which um, it's not San, this weekend San it's the weekend Diego. San Diego Comic Con something like that Latin for a mm-hmm. what's what? a Latin for a wheels mm-hmm. alright okay uh, but yes a San Diego Comic Con so we're going to b- probably bring you what news we find interesting um, obviously we'll have stuff to do for Hall H so whether we get like some Marvel things whether we get a new trailer for something, whether this is the time that we find out where Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to have a movie. Unlikely. Yes, whether we're going to find out if Master Universe is going to have somebody cast as He-Man. Unlikely. Whether we're going to have any hope of Game of Thrones having more seasons. Unlikely, but okay. there will be spin-offs though and prequels. So, okay. uh, but yes, consider our next episode that'll be coming up a bit of a special retro shock news focusing on San Diego Comic Con. So hopefully, please give us content to talk about. Yeah, um, I know. I know Doctor Who is going to be heavily involved. Uh, mind, by the time again you hear this footage for the new series, we'll have uh, been shown during the World Cup okay. final. So we'll probably get to talk about that as well during that episode. God, that was. That's funny whenever you think about that because that was last year that they did that through a Wimbledon match, yeah, didn't they? Here we are a year later. Do so the Wimbledon are. instead of But we're actually going to get to see proper footage. Uh, so we are this time, proper trailer. But Doctor Who, there's no doubt probably going to be Aquaman stuff. Um, yeah. there's, people are thinking they're going to get a Captain Marvel one 
I think that's maybe well, hope, they've, hopeful. They've just finished shooting of that. They finished shooting the same day as Ant-Man was came out in America. <laughs> we still haven't seen it, so everybody quiet. We don't yeah. want to know anything. All I know is it's getting decent reviews, so I'm happy with that. Good. Um, but yes, we'll come back and we'll talk about everything that has interested us from San Diego Comic-Con on the next episode. So, yes, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Say bye-bye, Chris. yippee ki mother... <laughs> <laughs>